Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Well, hey, welcome. If this is your first time, I'm Nate, and we're so happy that you're with us tonight. And uh, we are kicking off a brand new collection of talks, a series that we've titled The Way. Someone say The Way. Um, now, if you remember, we, we've just finished a series going through the book of Acts um, that we called Church on Fire. And if you remember, the primary uh, sort of title or um, name that was given to the early church was this title, The Way. Um, the Bible actually more often calls followers of Jesus of the way than it does called Christians. Um, Christians is a uh, less common reference to uh, people that follow Jesus. More often, it's the way. And the reason for that is because I think oftentimes Christian can be a title. The way is a practice or a direction. And Christianity is way more of a, a direction or a lifestyle than it is a title that you put on yourself. Right? Like some people say, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, I'm Irish, I'm Italian. You know what I'm saying? And so it can become just this little like quip about us. And the idea of the way, it speaks to much more depth of that. It speaks of a direction that we're going in. And that's kind of the idea of this series. As the book of Acts was for us, um, most uh, we see salvation. We see the work of the Holy Spirit. We see lots of uh, uh, things happening in a moment. But what we're going to learn tonight is that Christianity is actually not just something that happens in a moment, but something that we do for a lifetime. Uh, one uh, person, I think it was Alan Redpath, I could be wrong, said that salvation is the miracle of, the, of a moment, but sanctification or walking with God is the journey of a lifetime. So that there's, there's something that happens when we say yes to Jesus, that immediately we're saved, we have right relationship with God, we begin what God's doing in us, but then we embark on or we walk into a life of following Jesus. And so we're going to learn how to sort of practice the way of Jesus or what is called spiritual formation. This is the process and practices that allow us to grow in our relationship with God. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you've, like, been around the things of church for a while, but you've never felt like you've grown. Like, maybe you still feel like the, my view of the Bible or my understanding of the Bible or my closeness to God or me hearing from God or anything like that feels like it's just been sort of stuck. Like, I've never progressed. And what we're going to learn is some of the practices or disciplines, if you will, that allow for us to grow in our relationship with God. We're going to break it down into three simple things. Um, it's going to be this. We're going to learn to be with Jesus, learn from Jesus, and live like Jesus. That is sort of the threefold practice, if you will, of walking with Jesus. is to be with Jesus, it's to learn from Jesus, and it's ultimately live like Jesus. It's also been said, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's kind of the goal as we unpack this series. Now, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15 is going to be our theme for this series. Um, this series is going to be anywhere between three to six weeks. Okay, somewhere around there. I'm not 100% sure. Probably closer to the six weeks um, because I feel like there's a lot for us to talk about. But Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, this is going to be sort of our home base for the series. It says this, and he, that's Jesus, went up on a mountain 
and called to him those he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. That, he might, that they might be with him, sent out by him, and have authority to cast out demons. I've titled tonight's message as we kick off this series, really simple, Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Now, notice this begins with Jesus going up on a mountain and calling those that he desired and they came to him. Now, this is the beginning. Mark chapter 3 is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Mark's gospel begins with Jesus' um, baptism. And then after his baptism, he's tempted in the wilderness. Then he does a bunch of miracles. And then here, right here, is really the, the beginning, the foundation of what he is going to do in his life um, here on earth. You guys with me? I feel like it's awfully quiet. and I'm like, just want to make sure you're good. All right. You guys are good? All right. So... <clears throat> Jesus begins, he goes up on a mountain, and he calls those that he desired, and they came to him. The reason this is important is because immediately Jesus changes how things are done. In their time, being a disciple, being a, a, a disciple to a rabbi or to a teacher, which was common, Jesus is not the only rabbi of the day. This was a common thing. They were uh, Pharisees, they were religious leaders, they were teachers. Rabbi means teacher. And so rabbis, it was common for them to have disciples. But being a disciple was exclusive and very desirable. In fact, rabbis or teachers didn't go out looking for their own disciples. Disciples were fighting, competing, and proving themselves to rabbis to be chosen as a disciple. It's the equivalent in their day of applying to an Ivy League college or attempting to be drafted as a professional athlete. Like that's the equivalent. So for you to become a disciple, imagine yourself applying to somewhere like Harvard. Okay? So think about your grades, your school, what you've done so far, and think, all right, I'm going to apply to Harvard and see if I get. Or it's like you applying for the NFL draft. Like, all right, here we're going to go for it. Like that is the caliber or level of, of uh, person or accolades or accomplishments that you would have to be at in order to be chosen as a disciple. So people would work their whole life on a trajectory to ultimately become a pupil or an apprentice or a disciple to a rabbi. But rather than that, Jesus goes out and he selects his own disciples. Most of which, most of the disciples that Jesus had selected had been rejected by other rabbis. How do I know this? Well, uh, because all of them, all of the disciples that Jesus selected were already settled into careers. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. The other guy was a zealot or, or uh, somebody that was like radically against the government is the idea of a zealot. And so these were the people that Jesus selected. They were already settled into their careers, most likely not chosen by other rabbis to be their disciples. Yet Jesus chooses them. And what he does is he rewrites the identities and worth of all that he chose to follow him and be with him. 
And this is what Jesus invites us all into. To follow him and to allow him to rewrite the identity and worth of all of us that choose to follow him. When Jesus invites us into relationship with him, he's not just like inviting us into a, a, a group. What, he, what he's inviting us into is for us to allow him to rewrite our story and our value. This is what Jesus does. So he gets alone on a mountain and he invites these 12 guys up to be with him so that they would learn to be with him, to go out from him, and to be like him. So the question that I kind of want us to consider is as we're, maybe some of you are, are followers of Jesus, or maybe you're thinking about being a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're invited here by a friend and they tricked you into being here. The question I want to consider is, who is this Jesus and why follow him? If Jesus is extending the invitation for us to follow after him, learn from him, and live like him, why should we take him up on this offer? Why Jesus? Is he worth following? In a world that you could follow anything and go anywhere, why would we choose to follow after Jesus? Why would we decide that we're going to be with him, that we're going to learn from him, and then ultimately we're going to live like him? Because let me tell you, you have plenty of things, plenty of options to choose from, right? You, you have plenty of things that you can say, do you know what, this is going to be the direction of my life. Maybe the direction of your life is going to be academics. That could be, that. okay, I am following academics, and that's where it's going to lead me to. Maybe it's athletics, maybe it's you're trying to be famous, maybe it's just simplicity of like a career or something like that. Maybe it's like I want to be a mom or whatever it is. Right? What, this, this is the direction I'm going to go in. So why choose? Why Jesus? Because let me tell you, in the, in, the, in the world that we live in, it is actually a lot easier to not follow Jesus. So why is it? Why would we decide to follow after Jesus? Well, let's begin by looking at who Jesus is. Point number one, who is Jesus? Now, I want to break down this idea. We have a confessional faith. A confessional faith. What I mean by that is we believe and confess things that doesn't make sense and we can't necessarily explain or prove through science. The things that we believe as followers of Jesus is a confessional faith, meaning we confess things that we can't necessarily explain. Now, there are things that science can never explain, right? Science does a good job, but, like, science can't explain what it's like to be a squirrel, right? They could tell us, like, what squirrels do and, like, the behavior and patterns and rhythms of squirrels, but they can never tell us, right, this is what it actually is like to be a squirrel. Um, science can't actually tell us how gravity works. Like, science tells us that there is gravity. Like, if you drop something, it goes down. But science can't tell us, like, this is how it works and this is why it works and all of those things. So there's things that science can't explain, right? There's things science can't explain. In the same way, there's things like science and logic even can't explain about what we believe. And there are many elements of our faith that we can't believe and yet we confess, and even specifically about Jesus. Let me, let me tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're of the way, here are some of the things that we believe, okay? We believe that Jesus 
is God in flesh and that he was born of a virgin, meaning the Holy Spirit, God, impregnated this woman by his spirit, born of a virgin. He healed people. Um, He raised people from the dead. He died naked, bloody, and alone on a cross, but he rose three days later. He ascended into heaven, or in other words, he flew into heaven, is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father, which means that we believe in one God who is three persons, yet one. (laughs) We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have access to eternal life when we die, and our bodies one day will be resurrected. Okay, those are some of the things that you believe. Now, if I'm going to just, if you told me like, hey, this is what I believe, and I was kind of clueless and out of context, I would think, you're crazy. Right? Like, okay, you're telling me that you believe that Mary, right, was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're telling me that Jesus, this guy Jesus, 2000, walked around and just raised people from the dead. Sure. You're telling me, right, that, that he died, and then three days later, he just got up and walked away. And then you're telling me that some 30 days after that, he flew up into heaven and sat down on a throne next to God, who is him, who's not him, who's... You, you see what I'm saying? Like, the things that we believe, you can't explain. But what we are recognizing is that our faith is a confessional faith. We believe things. We confess things that we don't fully understand. Jesus calls these 12 guys to be with him. He doesn't call them to understand him. He doesn't call them to explain him. He calls them to be with him. Because, let me say this, point, you can write this down. Here's a thought. Because presence and proximity to Jesus allows for perspective in our faith. Presence and proximity to Jesus allows for perspective in our faith. And so when people tell you that you're crazy for believing in God, you can tell them that they're right. Right? If people say to you, you're crazy for believing in God. You could say, yeah, you're right. Because it's not supposed to make sense. It's not supposed to be logical. It's not supposed to be completely articulated and explained away. Because if we could explain it, it wouldn't be God. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 says it like this. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old... Receive their commendation, and listen to this, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It is by faith we understand. It isn't that we understand our faith. Okay? It is by faith we understand. It isn't that we completely understand our faith. Now, let me pause for just a moment, and let me just say, That there is incredible proofs to the validity of what we believe. Both in historical accuracy, in eyewitness accounts, 
and from the testimony of thousands and thousands of people that have placed their faith in Jesus and have lived a life with complete assurance of who God is by the evidence of what he's done in their life. Okay, so, so there, is, there is eyewitness. So like when we say Jesus rose from the dead, there are over 500 eyewitnesses that saw him and, and validated of his resurrection. Okay, so if you were like to put somebody on trial and say like, hey, this person committed this crime or say this person didn't commit this crime. And then you're like, how do we know? Well, we have witnesses. How many witnesses? Well, we have 500 that prove that he either did or didn't do that thing. You'd be like, all right. Right? 500 witnesses is like, okay, we would like it have accepted one or two. Does that make sense? And so there are plenty of proofs and testimonies and realities to what we believe. But what I also want us to understand is a lot of what we believe is a confessional faith. It's not a common sense faith. It's a, it's a confessional faith. It's not a cookie cutter faith, meaning it's, it's not going to be the same or look the same or completely make sense to every person. Are you, are you with me? And one of the things, the reason I really want to emphasize this point is because what's going to happen for, for many of you is you'll have a, a very light understanding of God's word and his ways. You'll have a, a let's call it a youth group level understanding. And now I do, and the team here, we try to do our best to give you a deep and thorough representation of God and his word so that you can understand it so your relationship with God is not shallow. That's our goal. But many of you will go through life with a very shallow or youth group level understanding of God. You'll graduate from youth group, graduate from high school. You'll be in a philosophy course at your college. And all of a sudden, somebody will start poking at things like, you really believe that a guy was born of a virgin? Ha! Oh, you really believe that, that uh, uh, he lived and then he died and then he lives again and now he flew into heaven and lives up there forever? You really believe that? And without depth, without a real understanding of who God is and how he works and what he's doing, a conversation like that will deter you away from your relationship with God. And what we have to come to is that, yeah, okay, I, I can't make sense of everything. I can't explain everything, I can't articulate everything, but I, it is by faith that I understand. And listen to me, the closer you are to Jesus, meaning like proximity-wise and presence-wise, and we'll learn more through this series how exactly we do that, but the closer you are to Jesus, the better perspective and understanding you will have on what he does and the way he works. Does that make sense? So... We have to ask the question, who is this Jesus? And he is, he is, well, ultimately, he's the son of God. He invites us into relationship with him. But although his ways and what he does and even his word doesn't entirely make sense all the time. So second thought is why Jesus? Why Jesus? I'm going to give you a couple. These are just a few that I thought of about why follow Jesus and really in light of why we would choose to follow anybody. Number one, Jesus is the most creative person. 
Colossians 1 says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is the wisest. Colossians 2, 3, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the most compassionate. We're told that he is moved with compassion for people. Thirteen times in the gospel, Jesus is moved with compassion. The idea of moved with compassion, it's like this, it's in his stomach. His, his heart just sort of broke for people. And compassion leads you to action. And every time Jesus would see somebody in need or lost or confused, his heart would break for them and then he would do something for them. He, he is the most loving person. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. That he is, he is filled with joy. There are 19 meals in Luke's gospel. The reason that's important is because food is good, right? And, and deeper than that, meals at their time was a sign of intimacy and relationship and family and life. So there's 19 meals recorded uh, of Jesus going to in Luke's gospel. Jesus sang. Jesus even made jokes, in my opinion. Like, some people could read it and Jesus was serious all the time, but you read the gospels and there's no way. Jesus made jokes. Filled with joy. He's powerful, the most powerful. Jesus did nearly 40 miracles in the gospel accounts. Jesus is interesting. Um, in fact, John chapter 20, verse 30 says this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. And then he goes on in John 21, says this. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus is the most interesting person to have ever lived. Jesus is caring. We're told probably most strikingly after one of his friends got sick and died that Jesus wept because he cares for people. Why follow Jesus? Well, it's because he's the most creative, wisest, compassionate, loving, joy-filled, powerful, interesting, and caring person to have ever lived. And he invites us into that life so that we could become more like that. That we could be more creative with more wisdom, with more compassion, more love, more joy, uh, power. That we would be interesting, that we would be caring. Jesus invites us into this life to walk with him, to be with him, to learn from him, and ultimately become like him. Why Jesus? Because being with Jesus is the reason that we exist. Being with Jesus is the reason we exist. He is worth following and being with. Why? Because he has all that we need. Because Jesus, in Jesus, the lost find a place. The orphan finds a home. The wanderer finds purpose. The fearful find boldness. The uneducated find wisdom and favor. The anxious find peace. The restless find rest. The sick find strength. The blind see. Jesus invites us into this life. And he's the most interesting, most powerful, most loving, most creative person that you could possibly know. And he wants to know you. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm going to close with this. I want to go back to sort of where we began. If you remember, it begins with Jesus going up on a mountain and inviting uh, these disciples up to be with him. 
And he's flipping the script on what was common of their day. Because again, disciples would do their best in order to be picked by a rabbi. And most often they would not be picked by a rabbi. But Jesus is flipping the script. He shows us that he wants people. Um, I was thinking about this today that I've put my dad through a lot. Um, In my lifetime, I have uh, thrown up in his mouth. Um, I've broken his belongings, including putting a hole in one of the walls of his house with my fist. Um, I've crashed his cars. Um, He's had to come to my school from his work to meet with my principal, and they weren't telling me how great I was. He's had to pick me up from the police station. It's a long time ago. He spent he spent probably I would say most of his money on me. Um I've stolen his clothes, I've been mean to his wife, and I've broken his heart. And for some reason, my dad still loves me. If if No offense, but if any one of you did half of those things to me or my dad, we would probably struggle, like, liking you, much less loving you, right? Like, just the first one on the list. You're like, yeah, nope, we're done. (laughs) And yet, for some reason, my dad loves me. And this is probably the greatest mysteries of being a parent. I can't explain it. I don't have it because I'm not a a father. But any parent will tell you that they love their children even when they break their hearts. It's one of the mysteries. Even when a, a child is completely out of control, misbehaving, running amok, doing what's wrong, not listening, going in a bad direction... No matter what, for some reason, the greatest mystery of being a parent is the fact that they continue to love that child, regardless of what they put them through. And this is, this is the greatest mystery of our faith. The greatest mystery of our faith is not how a guy that lived 2,000 years ago lived, died, and rose again. The greatest mystery of our faith is not that he is one God, but three persons with unique character and three unique persons, but one God. And can we make sense of it? Not really. But that's not the greatest mystery of our faith. The greatest mystery of our faith is not that we have the Holy Spirit living in us to empower us to walk with him. The greatest mystery of our faith is not that it wasn't through angels that God proclaimed his message, but it was through you and me that God proclaims his message. The greatest mystery of our faith is not that we can love God, but that God loves us. That's the greatest mystery of our faith. Jesus invites us to be with him. The choice is not for us to decide, I don't know if it's worth being with Jesus. 
The reality is why in the world does he think it's worth being with you and me? That's the great mystery of our faith. The great mystery of our faith is not, is God worth following? Is Jesus worth being with? Is, is living the life that he has for me worth living? That's, that shouldn't even be a question. The question is, God, why do you love me? Why have you chosen me? And if we can, if we can wrap our head around the fact that he does love us, we'll never fully comprehend why he loves us. But if we can come to the point where we just say, man, God, you love me. It is what it is. You love me. Can't explain it. On my best days, on my worst days, you love me. If we can come to that conclusion, we'll realize that being with him and learning from him and living like him is worth it. Because he loves us. He's invited us. Just like with his disciples, he said, I love that it says that he called up those that he desired. Let me tell you, God wants to have relationship with you. God wants to know you. God wants you to be with him. And in the next few weeks, we're going to learn what it looks like to be with him and to learn from him and to live like him. We'll talk about those things very practically and learn some of the rhythms and developments that we can make in our life so that we can do those things. But the first thing that I just want to present to you tonight as we consider going on this journey together, as we practice the way together, is why Jesus? And the, the, simplest, the simplest answer I could give you is because he loves you. Why Jesus? Because he loves you. He shouldn't. There's no reason to. Right? He should have been like, all right, that's enough. After you broke his heart a thousandth time, after you li didn't listen to him for the millionth time, after you did your own thing again and again and again and again and again and ran from him and went away from him, and yet he loves you? Why Jesus? Because he loves you. And he's going to keep loving you. So, Father, we surrender ourselves.